safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Ordinary girl, northern town. What year uh, was this, Deb? Sorry to interrupt here. It would have been... Trying to give the reader yeah. of the listeners a bit of background, because yeah. uh, a lot of them are in America. Right. So, so would... um, to get a good mental picture... I will. I can explain. Yeah, I can yeah. explain it. It would have been 1982, right? Um, so very typical to an American town. The big employers were the docks, the mill, the pit. So just oh, a, so northern. Yeah, just a very typical northern hill town. So we're up in the hills, right? And many people in America know the three mountain ranges that go through America. And in England, we have the one that goes down the centre, and that's the Pennine Way. And I lived right at the bottom of that. Um, and I'm very lucky that there's a um, going through the city, skirting the city and going up to the Pennines and then on to Scotland is a wonderful wildlife corridor, you would call it. We call it the, where the deer go. So it's like a, if you could imagine, I'm high up on the peaks and this is the lower valley. So yep. it's kind of got a, a lot of everything, but not the type of place, I have to say, that we should be seeing a Bigfoot creature at all. It is not out in the wilds. It's not in Washington State. And I'd never heard of Bigfoot then, or um, cryptids in general, really, other than the Loch Ness Monster, because we all know that in England, don't we? When we... Oh, we certainly do. Yeah. I was actually, uh, back then, I was obsessed with murders, and uh, that sounds awful, doesn't it? But if you remember back then, there was the famous um, Yorkshire Ripper case. Oh, and I, I was how like, could I forget it? Because yeah. I was a schoolgirl then and we used to ring up the number to listen yeah. to the, that oh, voice, that blog, yeah. saying that he was the Yorkshire Ripper. And it wasn't the Yorkshire Ripper, was it? It was a hawk. Yeah, it was a hawk. So I was kind of born. I was born about six months after Ian Brady and Myra were arrested. Oh, so Christine I can up, tell you about that. Yeah, well, I grew up in a Manchester town with that hanging over my head. So even as small children, we weren't really allowed out on our own to play. Right. Because the, all of the, the, the mothers and the grandmothers had that on their mind, if you can imagine. So at five and six years of age, mums are very, very um, territorial with the children, let's put it that way. And as I go into seven or eight, we've then got this serial murder who's going about Manchester and Yorkshire and he's killing these women. And as you say, we would have the tape of his supposed voice played as it, to us at school. Mm. Women were on a curfew, if you remember. I do, I do. Men were not, but women were on. It was a massive thing. So growing up with that, my dad and a number of my family members, all men, as you know, were questioned and taken in, and especially if they had a, a lorry driver's job or they crossed the moors one way or another. Um, and then, unfortunately, there was a lady in my town and she was murdered and it kind of stuck with me. So a lot of work that I've done on, on, on the, the other side of things that I don't talk about really, I've looked into the Manchester pusher murders and all kinds of things. So back then, I was actually, I had no idea that these things were out there. I wouldn't have even known 
what was paranormal, although I had some things going on at home that I knew my other friends weren't dealing with, I never put the events together at any point, Jana. Oh, yeah. oh, much, much, many, many years later. But I'm 15. It's the year before you leave school in England. So we would call that the fourth year. I'm with my friend um, and we decide we're not going to school for the afternoon. We've done the morning. Yeah, we, we skipped school. Um, and one of the places where we used to go was this old country park. And there's um, there's been a building on there since the 15th century. It used to be a plague field. And it's not the type of place that you go at night, but in the daytime, it was great to hide because everything was left to wreck and ruin. The the mansion house was just boarded up. Mm-hmm. And you'd get these huge rhododendrons and ivy and laurel that were all wrapped in and you could duck in there. And right. that's what we did because we were going to have a cigarette and, you know, we were, we were 15 and it wasn't the right thing to do. And we must have been in there a good hour. It was, I think it was May or June, Jana, because I remember that it was nice. Yeah. And right next to the old house, when it was like a serving mansion with servants in the house carriageway and all of the above, there was an edible garden. And some of the plants, had they turned it into what they called a sensory garden because it smelled amazing. And that smell takes me back. So I know that it was in the warm months. And we were just giggling and messing and having a sing and we were actually laid down on the floor like but you know when you have your that you're up on your elbow and your hands on your chin kind of thing Mm -hmm. on the side of your face we were just like that chatting and um there's a lot of all this greenery probably to about at least 10 or 12 foot above us and I'm not really paying much attention to anything and then suddenly I just had this really strange feeling like we were Someone was watching us. It was only a split second. I didn't get enough time to put those words together. And I looked at the bush and I almost made eye contact with it. Something moved. And if I hadn't seen that movement, I wouldn't have known that somebody was in there, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, And I honestly thought it was going to be... I was scared because I thought it was going to be a teacher and we were going to get caught. Yeah, I'm not in school. I've got got a cigarette. I'm about to be in the worst trouble I've ever been in. Um, My mum and dad were very, very strict. Don't get me wrong. They were working class and right strict. So it wasn't something I should have been doing. Um, And I thought it might have been a lad. So some boy was going to go, wah. And Mm. and then I would have been annoyed. I'd just probably swore at him or something. But this thing went out of the bushes and I have no way of describing back then what it was. I couldn't have put a name to it and I still can't now, to be honest. It looked like a man and an ape as if they'd been pushed together. So it had, I saw it from like its mid-chest up, so I didn't see all of its body or anything. So mid-chest up and it's leaned out of the bushes. I'm on the floor looking at it and it's leaning out looking at me. And what I'm about to tell you sounds like it took minutes and it didn't. It took a split millisecond. But I remember his eyes. They were an amberish brown colour. And the whites that were around him were yellowish. I remember the muscles on the side of his head around. He had like a pronounced jaw. His uh, pronounced brow ridge, sorry. His jaw was incredibly thickly muscled and prominent. And for anybody that's out there, there's um, a painting out there by um, Zorian. Oh, I can't think of his last name, but he actually painted uh, Stone Age Man, and it kind of looks 
like him a bit, but it's not enough. He was hair covered, but not on the face. He had like this flattish nose. No, I remember his teeth, Gina, and he didn't have like canine teeth or teeth like a monster. And they were like ours, really, just square and normal. And I looked at him and I thought he was going to come out of them bushes and get us and do whatever it was that a monster does to a 15-year-old girl. So without thinking, I pushed my friend down further to the floor so that he'd get her and I ran. I just ran as fast as I could. And I looked back to see if he was coming after me or to see if he'd got her. And he just kind of leant back into the greenery and he was gone. And I have some questions. Do you mind if I ask them at this point? No, not at all. Have you ever seen or come across anything else that resembles what you saw that day? Me personally? Yeah. No. No, I haven't. So you've not seen or come across anything else that comes near. What do you think that was that you saw? I'm going to be very, very honest with you and say I have no idea. I. When I first started out trying to solve, this is what my journey is, trying to work out what that was. Was it a time slip? Yeah. An hallucination, but we were both together. So we'd have had a similar hallucination. Um, Was it something paranormal? It looked flesh and blood in every shape and ounce as if human or ape, but that doesn't mean it was. So my next question would be, what about your friend? Have you spoken to her about the incident or has she just blocked it out? Yeah, no, we live in the same town and still do. So we're actually at each other's wedding. It's really strange. And I think anybody out there that's been a witness to something will probably attest to this when I say we were acted really strange around each other. The next, I ran in one direction home and she ran in the other direction home. But we still had to go to school the next day. And I was quite mean to her because I kind of blamed her for the fact that we were there. And I didn't, I did, we did speak about it, but I was, to me, speaking about it made it real. I was terrified. I was, I I remember running home and thinking, they must be everywhere because Mm. it just appeared out of this bush out of nowhere. So I've gone from having a completely normal upbringing to one, my, I, yeah, before the event and after the event. It could even be alien or ET. It could be dimensional. It could be a sense yeah. being. I just really don't know. But what I was left with was this overriding fear mm-hmm. that I was going to see him again. And he'd be waiting, you know, like waiting for me kind of thing. Because of well, you, you're bound to. I mean, the thing is, you had a traumatic event. Mm. It was terror-filled and it changed your world forever. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, so it that did. explains all your behaviour. Now, yeah. But then you asked me, you did ask me if I'd spoken to her. So, I oh, sorry. Her, yeah. But she has no interest in it whatsoever. And right. she calls him the gorilla man. So, so she acknowledges it. She's not. Yeah, it. yeah, no, not at all. No, she, she, I remember obviously in the early days, you'd have like Skype and MSN, and then you got Friends Reunited. Yeah, and there was a lot of like school groups up. So I wrote on it. I was still looking for witnesses at this time. So I wanted to find other people if who'd seen it. And I wrote on there. Does anybody remember the gorilla man from the park? And she was the first one to pop up and put. Well, I do, you know. And it, even that was too real. I was still really traumatized by it then. Yeah, I was still hoping someone was going to explain it away. 
I don't think you've worked through the trauma yet, actually. Well, no, I, I haven't, to be honest. No, I probably haven't. But it's strange because the energy of it has put you on this path. And what I like about you is um, your dedication to collecting all these experiences. And I think yeah. you actually serve a very valuable purpose in the sense that you give people a place to go that have had unusual and anomalous experiences that they can't talk to anybody else about mm. it and I think there's a hell of a lot of people out there that have very weird experiences I have to and sometimes it's terrifying yeah and but they can't tell the family they can't tell the workmates what do you do yeah you're, living, you're, you're living with trauma so I think it's very there's a therapeutic value to what you do and I think yes. you're also culturally and collectively collecting a picture Mm. England and the UK and what we are actually sharing our space with. I've never looked at it like that, to be honest. I mean, I, I know that it's a place that witnesses can come forward to because that's all I've ever wanted to set up. Yeah. Possible for me. It didn't matter where I went, nobody would believe me. Not only have I seen something impossible, I'm a kid. So people think kids, oh, it's just a bit of teenage drama, yeah. you know, or they're on drugs or they've been drinking. Yeah. I mean, I probably smoked a cigarette at that point, but that was probably about it. Um, I was, you know, I wasn't, I was that type of kid. I was married at 18, you know, you left school, you got a job as a secretary and you got wed and that's all you did. And and that was it for me. And I tried hiding from it. I wouldn't, but I couldn't take the kids on holiday to the woods. I couldn't. And I spent my entire childhood out in nature. I mean, I must put, put that forward. We were, every time my dad laid his tools up on a Friday, we were off. We were back to the countryside. Oh, God, what a shame. No, I'd fished every river in England. I probably could name every bird song out there, but I couldn't go back. You've got all that. But you hear this, right? I mean, because I follow, like, the a lot of the Bigfoot things in America, mm. like how to hunt and things like yeah. that. Fella that receives all the letters. And you hear that over and over again, I don't go to the woods anymore, I don't go to the yeah. woods anymore. And Simple, it's so things, sad. Yeah. Simple things like um, dog walkers that have seen something when they've been out with a dog. So they don't want to, that dog's still going to go out the next day for the pee. And it, it's something as basic as that. Or gents who are, women and men that are dreaming, driving home from work that see something at the side of the road or something crossing the road in front of them. They still have to do that journey tomorrow. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! 
And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty ultra strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm and Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Oh, you GP, I've just seen a seven foot humanoid. There's no pill in the world for that. Oh, you can't, you the, know. We'll do have your, well, we'll try yeah, and put you. Really won't. I mean, they did with me. And now, then, go, sorry, Diana, go on. Well, I was going to say, didn't you have some corroboration? Didn't a lady, yeah. going, years, uh, going years ahead, didn't a lady yeah. get in touch with you saying that she saw the same thing? Yeah, I did. I have found a number of other witnesses now, because obviously it's, what, about 38, 39 years on. I was really, she didn't get in touch with me. She got in touch with a chap called Thomas Markham, who runs the Crypto Crew oh, in America. Okay. Yeah, so she'd reached out to him <laughs> and said that she'd seen, she remember, she'd seen this thing in the park in 1984 and she remembers that there was a girl who'd seen it. She was about 30 years older than me. There were a girl who'd seen it and she was really sorry that she'd never come forward. So I'll be honest, when the first message came through, Thomas knew at that time that I was collecting anything that came in from England. I'd say to the, all the Americans, if anything comes in from England, please get in touch just so I can get it on my map and try and speak to the witness. So he sent me this, he said, Debbie, here's a sighting report for you and sent it across. And I read it through and it never, you know, when you read something through and it doesn't go in. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, thanks. I'll check it out later. I'm really busy. And he messaged me back and he said, no, you need to read it. So, I, you know, I got sat myself down and thought, oh, it must be important. And I started reading and I thought, oh, my God, she means me. So God. basically, two years later, Mine was in the like the summery, warmy, springy months. Hers was definitely autumn, winter. She said it was dark, it was cold, it was about half past four, and it's dark by then in the north. So the park's not overly lit. There are street lights on the road, but they don't light the interior of the park. So she's walking the dog, and she said she sees what she thinks at first is like some kind of pervert because he's completely <laughs> naked. Yeah, she said he was completely naked. You could see his oh. genitalia. She thought she had the full view of him. Oh, Malarkey, she said he had a pot belly. He was almost hunched in his stance. Well, you hear that over and over again now. I didn't know that at the time. Um, completely hair covered, this orangey brown coloured thing. She said it was really ugly. It looked like half a chimp and half a man. So I think we're still describing the same thing. Sounds really. like it, doesn't it? Sounds like it. Right next to the same place where I saw it. So that set me off. I thought, right, I've got to get on radio. I've got to do whatever I can to find other people. And strangely, they found me. So I was an old man in his 60s um, back then. And it's the, the, the lad's telling me his dad's story. He said, my dad comes in from a park walking dog and said he's just seen a chimp down by a stream. So this is in like the late 50s, early 60s. I've not even been right. born. Right. Right, and interesting. They're all having him on saying, oh, give on, you know. And he said he actually, then the paper was called him, the Salford Reporter. So he wrote to the Salford Reporter and said, has there been a circus come through? Because they're seeing a chimp, an escaped chimp in the park in the 60s. Then, strange serendipities in life. There's a guy who's really into Bigfoot. And the reason he's into Bigfoot is because his uncle saw something really strange in the Salford Park when he was working in the 70s. So this guy has gone all around the world, Canada, uh, Australia, America, researching upright hominids. 
And then he finds me on YouTube and says, my uncle had a sighting in that park. He was a ice cream man. So they'd all eat, meet up at the end of the night, you know, to put the money together. Yeah. And then they'd go home and he needed a pee. So he nipped in the park for a pee. And he said he saw a hairy naked man trying to catch a fox. And as you can imagine, nobody would um, believe him. So then you've got me in 82. Then you've got the next lady who saw it with his genitalia out in 84. <laughs> a bit and of then, a flasher, this one. Yeah, it? a bit of a flasher. And then in 2004, there was a lady who was at the banquet hall, which is in the park estate. She yeah. has an allergic reaction. They have to take her outside, and it's her and a friend, and they're waiting for the ambulance to come. And the friend said this grey, hairy face thing leant out of the bushes and growled at us. Actually growled this time. Growled at them. Exactly the same place. So I can imagine I'm thinking, this is mad. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm finding all these validation reports, but I can't believe that they've been out there all this time. There's got to be more people. Finding Bigfoot comes to England in 2015, so people then start the word starts to become more of a household name, so people are revaluating something that's happened to them. Yeah. A, lady, a lady gets in touch with me from Farmworth, not too far away from where I live now, and said, not in the park, but about a mile and a half away, on the route that I ran home, there's um, a huge golf club. And it's kind of like a golf club and a country park in one. So it's Father's Day, 2016, there's one chap and there's three mates and they're out and they're playing golf and they realise that they've been watched from the bushes from the roof. And he said this thing was kind of, they could see that it was brown and it was like rust coloured like the trees, but it kept moving. So being four blokes from a northern town, they start to walk towards it, at which point it shows itself. And they said it was about seven feet tall. It was completely hair covered, like the colour of autumn leaves. Yeah everywhere and it was it went and clapped at them like that and he said clapped at them and he said it was almost making sign language and we just didn't know what to do he said so as we took another step forward towards it something from the left that they hadn't seen let out this amazing screaming howl so obviously they turned to look and then that creature's gone so they they must have been more than one and we've got this distraction technique going on to, you know, you look this way, well, I get away kind of thing. But there was one more. That oh was my God. one more in 2017. So you've got a man and his son out. It's only afternoon on a Sunday. They're out in the country park again. Um, and they, he said, I saw it clear. It was right across the clearing. And I seen this grey figure just looking back at us. And he said, if he hadn't known about Bigfoot, he wouldn't have put that name to it. He would have just called it a humanoid figure. Because that's yeah. what it looked like. It just looked like that shape. And he said, we were way, way across the clearing, so I couldn't see its face or anything like that. And he said, and suddenly it just disappeared. So being brave, they walked over there. And he said, I suddenly realised that it was standing in a gully. So for its head to have been where it was, it must have been about seven feet tall. And so there must, there must be a colony then, or a family. Oh, yeah, it's got, I mean, the, if even if we're just talking flesh and blood, they'd have to be, wouldn't they? They have yeah. to be a breeding population. But if we're looking down the spiritual or dimensional side, maybe it's something about that land. Could be. But you what know? is it 
with quick tees and bloody golf courses. <laughs> I don't get it because it doesn't make sense because it's a wide open space. I know. For one thing, it's very flat, so you're bound to be seen. And yet, it's it's like you've identified golf courses, yeah. railway lines, and yeah. um, estuaries and rivers. Yeah, rivers. I think yeah. if you look at your standard golf course, it's lovely. But around all of it is this rough around the edge. Yeah, true, true. Yeah? yeah. You've got people there probably just at gaming hours. So you'd have the guy come around in the morning, make sure the course is all lovely. People come on and play. By tea time, everyone's gone home. It's empty. And it's empty till the next morning. Because the grass is cut consistently, the deer love it. So you get the deer coming in all the time. Ah, right. The, the rabbits love it. Anything that eats on grass will go for new cut grass. It's full of new sugars. So it could be the possibility that there's an awful lot of food there. Supermarket kind of thing. But when you look at the golf course, you tend to find all of these things in the one area. So there'll be a golf course, there'll be a country park, there'll be some river streams, little brooks that'll run to a river. We think the railway lines are just ease of access because, once again, once the last train's gone... Like a guide kind of thing as well, maybe. Yeah, animals and humans take the course of least resistance, so you can get round to the country. Honestly, back in the day, people, when you're a witness to something, whether it's a UFO or a humanoid or a Bigfoot, people expect you to have all the answers. So you've seen it, so what is it? Where does it come from? How does it get here? What does it eat? And I felt that I needed to try and answer those questions. So I said to my husband, can you get from, because the railway line's right on our back fence, can you get from where we live now to my sighting in the park without being seen? And he went, I think so. I'll just use the old bike route. Well, the old bike route is where the old, there's a national bike route that stretches from the top of Scotland to the tip of England. And it's old railway tracks that you've got Huge sided embankments that are left to nature. There's no lighting on there. Ideal for getting around city places at night. So that's what he did. He went from my house to my sighting and back. It took him 40 minutes. I said, did you see anyone? He went, not so. So I said, how did you get across the East Lanks? He went, I just waited till no guy was coming and then I ran across. So if something's trying to remain elusive out there, it's really, really easy. But I found something out strange, Joanna. And many of your readers will know of John Dee and Edward Keller. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the ancient alchemist. Well, that house on the park, as I said, there's been a building on there since the 15th century. The first building that was on there was a wooden one. And there are rumours, purported rumours, that there were a number of summonings done at that home. Really? And out- really. And outside of it was four rocks. They're not there now, and I'm trying everything I can to find out where they are. And when I'm talking rocks, I don't mean small ones. They would have been, as a woman, they would have been up to my bus now. I'm about five foot four. So about five uh, foot four, yeah. One's complete lime. Mm-hmm. One's complete quartz. One's obsidian, this huge chunk of obsidian. And there was one more, and I can't remember what it was. No matter how hard I try, I can remember what that was. And I am convinced that it is something to do with these bloody rocks. Oh, yeah, sorry. because wasn't John Dee, he was Master of Music or something in Manchester, wasn't he? He was. Oh, well. He was also Queen Elizabeth the I. Um, Magician. Some say consort, some say, yeah. yeah. 
he would Edward Kelly would scry for him, so he would use obsidian mirrors, and they would summon from beyond. And there is one occasion written about where he summoned a tall, hairy demon. So it's beginning to look like somebody opened a portal. I think that is possibly what we have going on here. Yeah, mm. that's that's where I'm where I, like I am. It. Yeah, yeah. But, even with the dogman reports that come in, werewolf reports, any report where it's upright and on two legs, the canine ones you find around ancient sites, like ancient burial grounds, old um, standing stones, anything mm. of importance to us way back in the day, you'll get dogman and canine reports. And I don't know why that is, but I think it's to do with portals and the movement of energy. Like so, Star Car in Yorkshire. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like Devil's Dykes, another place that's the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the German cemetery at Cannock Church. Mm-hmm. There's this, there's this connection between uh, werewolves and Germany. Yes. Yeah, you're but, right. You're right. People say to me, "Oh, you only get werewolf reports in America and England." No, no. you don't. Across Eastern Europe, all across Europe, through Poland, right the way through, there are numerous dogman reports. I've taken them in Finland. Yeah. In France, Germany, Denmark, Poland, Belarus, they're everywhere. Gandhi countries have got a long tradition of yeah. um, werewolves because I, I was reading recently about an occult box that somebody wrote in something like the 16th century and they described an account of um, hundreds of werewolves yeah. all meeting at some castle in Norway. Yes, this, yeah. this specific night, hundreds. Mm-hmm. So what's that all about? So there's been there's something that's been going on for centuries. Time. Yeah. For time yeah. Yes, yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't just get the, the the negative werewolf types, obviously, you know, and then there's the positives. You get like your Cynocephalies, Ben and Dante. They were benevolent wolves that they say there's a huge fight that goes on every night between good and evil above all of us. And it's these wolves that fight the fight. Ah, and it, depending on who wins, you know this this has been going on for centuries. But you've also got this other thing that's going on, and I don't understand very much about it. And it's these creatures that are brought in from extraterrestrial, so they have almost dog soldier type abilities. So they can, yeah, fall, but... they can you know, they can go invisible. It's, I was it's... going to say. Uh... Why dogmen appeared all of a sudden? You never used to hear an inkling mm. about that. I know, like with the Native Americans, yeah, there's been a thing, hasn't there? And they have their thing about dog soldiers and all that. Mm-hmm. But it seems to it seems to have come from nowhere, and there's just yeah. an explosion. I'm thinking, right, where's this come from? Because this is I know odd. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does. You know, I think it's got easier. I think it's a it's the same as me trying to report an ape like creature. I think there's some really genuine witnesses out there that have just kept quiet because how do you say that you see, yeah. you know, some, a, not all of them use the word dog man. Some will say a dog headed man or it had a head, it was a man, a big hairy man, but he had an head like an Alsatian. That gets said a lot or a, a German shepherd. So I think it depends on the witness, what the witness's knowledge is as well. Yeah. So uh, what year then did you decide? to start your organisation, British Bigfoot Research. Right. Well, that was them. Um, I never stopped. I, I, from being 15, the first thing I did 
I probably by the Saturday, I'd gone to the big library in town because I wanted to know. I thought there'd be a book on it. It'll just be an ancient caveman or something like that. This librarian will explain it all away, and then I can forget about it and just go on with the rest of my life. And Because I had enough going on. I had all kinds of stuff going on around me that wasn't normal. I what? Never... Do you mean in your house? What paranormal stuff? It's... I thought it was in my house and then we moved. I've got to explain something. My grandmother was incredibly, incredibly powerful and had amazing abilities. Oh, my right. mom, okay. My mum's the same. But because of the, the way they were brought up, they were incredibly ashamed of it. So it was something that was whispered about, wasn't really spoken about. So I grew up knowing that the things that I was seeing, you shouldn't really talk about them because it people treated you differently if you did. I don't remember when it started because I can remember being in my cot and being able to see things in the room. Mm -hmm. So I've always seen things in my bedroom when I were a kid. And it was always things that frightened me. And even then, I knew that they were feeding on me fear. And if I could not be scared of them, they'd go away. But I wasn't that brave. I was a little tiny kid. So I never slept. I refused to sleep. So by the time I were about seven, she's took me to sleep clinic and they're doing all these daft experiments on me and shoving me in front of sunbeds and all kinds of stuff. And uh, by the time I were eight, I just shut it down. I don't know why. I think I was just scared and I'd had enough of it. But I remember a time when I was about 12 or 13 and I were in the same park and I went to go to the toilet. And I went to go towards the toilet and something, everything I had in me screamed, no. And I just stopped, stood still. And I thought, I'll just run home. So that's what I did. And then it doesn't seem like much to anyone. But this wasn't just it. It was like something held me there to keep me safe. Do you get what I mean? Interesting. What is your, um, on your mum's side, what's the lineage? What's the ancestry? I don't know. I I am trying to look at it up now. I mean, I'm, my mother's a Lilith. My grandmother was a Lilith. Um, I just, they never, they've only started opening it up with me now because... I've asked back then it was it was kind of you tried to fit in as best as you could when you lived in a little street yeah you know so that's what they did so I mean my grandmother would say she'd tell you when someone were going to die and then they'd die and um I think your grandmother and my grandfather were because my grandfather's a traveler Irish traveler ah now we're getting somewhere yeah tipsy folk so I've kind of got that and then I didn't realize that my own father and this is really hard for me to talk about I had a very hard relationship with my dad when I was growing up. Very, very hard. Because we were two peas in a pod. And what I saw as his madness, I didn't realise that he was going through exactly the same as me. So right. he was, I didn't realise until he was passing. Okay. And he told me some things and I thought, oh my God, I get it. It just made complete sense to me. So you're saying that your dad had paranormal experiences? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And he couldn't speak about it, so he must have been extremely stressed, frustrated, to say the least. Yeah, I think that was it. And he'd, both of us are what you call the night terrors. Now, doctors will try and give you sleeping pills. It doesn't matter what you take for it. It's not night terror because you're not asleep. You, I wake up fighting. Like, when my fists up like a boxer, fighting. I've hit my husband. I, I see things at the side of my bed. I wake up and there was something at the side of my bed staring at me and and it's awful and it's like it's there to I don't know I would say my my impression of it's there it's there to frighten me so it can feed on me energy and I've learned to deal with that over the years but while you're going through it you think you're mental 
because yeah. you're seeing things around, you're hearing voices, you're seeing things. I never saw spirit as a child. I didn't see spirit till I was an adult. And when I started seeing them, I only saw the bottom two feet of the person. Yeah. You know, like so it's not yeah. a conversation you can have with your friends or anything. So I think it was worse for me, Dad, because he was born in the 40s. He was a working class man. He worked as a builder and a coal merchant. Yeah. So I don't think have a pint and say to his mate these like these dogs around my bed at night biting at me and I you know I can't sleep and when he was passing he'd just say things to me and I'd instantly think oh my god that was the same for me it was just certain things that I'm not ready to talk about yet but he'd say that every time I came in the room when he was at the hostel a hospice he'd say that a portal opened in the wall and he could watch through it so I just thought he was Wow, you know, humouring me or something. So he'd say, "Oh, look, can you see those little kids playing on the bikes?" So I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah is it nice?" And he'd say, "Oh, yeah, it's lovely." And then he'd drop off to sleep again. But this one day when we were there, he said to me, "Oh, can you see that man through the wall?" And I was like, "No, Dad, what's wrong with him?" He said, "He looks like Sammy Davis Jr. and he's got these blue and purple striped pajamas on. He's sat on the end of his bed and he looks like he's got his head in his hands, Debbie. He looks so sad." He went, will you go and see to him? Well, I, obviously, I can't. It's a, hosp- a hospice. So I said, yeah, of course, Dad. So I just stepped out into the corridor. I thought, I'll just wait here a minute, and then I'll go back in, and he'll have forgotten about it. And as I'm standing there, the door opens, and the nurse comes walking out, and there's this little man. He's sexy. He looks exactly like Sammy Davis Jr. He's wow. sat on the end of the bed. He's got the purple and blue striped pyjamas on, and he looks so sad. But he didn't have his head in his hand. He had his hands on his knees and his head was down. And I couldn't, oh. I thought, my dad's seen through the wall. Okay. I was my dad seen through the wall. But now it makes sense to me because he was at the end. So he would have been at his most open. Ready so to receive. Both your parents mm. had psychic, very, very strong psychic abilities. Uh, yeah, I would say so. And you're the out- yeah. uh, so you've got like a cross of you know, so you're mega psychic. Have you ever had any early or UFO experiences? I would have, if you'd have asked me that question two years ago, I would have said no, absolutely not, not at all. I never really thought that I'd had anything to do with aliens at any point. But I do, my, it was something that my daughter said and I hadn't realised it. My daughter was moving out, she's 23, so she's moving in with a boyfriend. Mm. And I said to her, what will you miss about living at home? And she said, well, I won't miss the nightly screaming when I turn the light on. And it suddenly struck me that when I wake up fighting and screaming, it's because there's a light at the window or a light's gone on in the room. Can't sleep. Yeah. I can't terrified because I remember this light that would come at the window when I was a kid and that was much much scarier than the things that were crawling out of me wall and I right. think I shut it down really deep Jana it it's in there like away. It. yeah yeah it sounds like you'd be overloaded because you've already had enough to deal with the mm. reason I ask is because I got interviewed by um I can't remember his name the fellow the leftovers or the DMV Number 97. or house cleaning or 
Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That run sperm game you for, Grace? Oh, I'm not sure, lass. I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, well, no. What it is, is he said... A lot of people have interaction with aliens and UFOs have mm. all this paranormal stuff going yeah. on in their life. I agree. Right when they're a kid. Mm-hmm. It, I agree. It all kicks off all the way from when you're, you're little, all the way mm. through your life. There's some connection here. I'm not quite sure where it is. Yeah, I'm saying. Same. Same yeah. I wouldn't be getting sent. The, if the universe didn't want me to deal with these witnesses... Because I, I follow me gut. So whatever comes my way is the way I go. She'll provide. I get that now it's people getting in touch with me saying, I've got all these memories from being a kid, Deb. Because what I do on the on the back of YouTube that people don't know about, I just counsel people, really. I just I don't charge anything. Everything I do is for free. Even the map, anything, the membership's all for free. So I'll just talk to them and talk them through the event because I know what it's like to be faced with this. After you come through it and out the other side, there's no quick and easy wand you can wave. You've got to go talk through the experience and come out the other side. And then one of the things I like to do is put them in touch with other people who've had a similar experience or understand completely what they're talking about. And it be not only does it empower them and, and, and make them... It opens up other memories. Yeah. So as they deal with that event and move on, they'll say, I say to them, don't worry if you go through a bit of a depression. You're just leaving your old coat behind. You're awakening. You're having the memories you're supposed to have. But don't panic if you start having lucid dreams. Uh, you suddenly start seeing spirit where you've not seen them before. We we awaken in levels, I think. Mm. I think so there's given- a process. Yeah, I think we give them what we can handle at the time. And I think what happened to me as a child was just far too much. And I shut down. And then when you come into your femalehood, 12, 13, 14, 15, and we have all this, you know, all this girls when we come into our womanhood, let's be honest, they say it's a poltergeist activity. It's it's us and ourselves. We can project and, and attract so much, but we don't have a learning of it. We don't understand it. So we come into this womanhood and all the psychic and paranormal stuff will start again and some of them are seeing UFO and others are seeing other things and it terrifies them and they shut themselves down again and I think that's what I did. Mm, it sounds I, like it. Yeah, and then now obviously I'm I'm 53 so I'm at that age where I fit my skin completely. 
I'm, I don't apologize for anymore for the things that I see. I see them. I just accept that. Yeah. And I trust that it's all for a reason. And, and I might not ever find out what that reason is, but I'm okay with that as well. As long as I'm helping people going forward, I'm helping myself. I've got so many questions for you. You just um, in about five minutes, we'll be coming up to the the break music. We'll be starting yeah. in the top of the hour, and then we'll come back in. A few yeah, that's after that. But what I want to know is, um, what's the most outrageous uh, encounter something you've had reported to you? Right. Um, I wanted you to tell me about the live stream from the forest in. Was there any event? And just about the reptilians, because you've always got to talk about the reptilians, because that's what the punters want. <laughs> well, well, it's not just that. It's, that is one of the strangest of my reports. Um, and I know this lady. In, I know her now. I didn't know before. Inside out. And you could take her to the bank. She's the most down-to-earth normal i hate that word but you know what i mean middle of the road i, I do yeah i do yeah. Serving, you know ordinary lass like me i think she's about 10 years older than me and you ask yourself how do you deal with this right she saw something in her room when she was a kid and that was kind of it right where is she in at in england just after Pre- that sorry. she's in lancaster she's in preston so you know she's northwest, in preston, right? yeah, northwest so you know ordinary town she yeah, said, yeah, she's there with um there's a lot of ley lines meet in that area. A lot of ley lines meet. Oh, Priest Town. Priest Town Preston. Yeah. yeah. And you get a lot of UFL reports around there because the energy's high. Yeah. So she said, really normal, because it's a series of events that you know, they're all at the French. She said, We weren't drinking or anything like that. We were just having a brew and we were having a laugh and we were talking. So we've been in our late twenties. She said, and the lad who owns the flat suddenly morphed into this what looked like a lizard and morphed back really quickly like and back and she said without thinking I went oh you look like a lizard then and he went it's funny you should say that but I often feel like a lizard and she said everything just shut down at that point what? and she felt like she was about to have a flood of memory and it, it was shut like Whoosh! and she said nobody mentioned it nobody said a word about it it was like it had not happened and I'm just left with this total confusion right so were they drinking, drugging? No, no. She said they were just having a right. break, you know, just having a natter, normal, just get together, friend circle. And she said, like, she'd met the lad a number of times before, and it would just so happen they were at his flat this time. So I'm thinking she's relaxed. She yeah. Knows she's with a friend. She's in a really relaxed state. You might as well be hypnotized at that point. So yeah. you're open without realizing. And she's seen this shift, and it's oh, shut down. So that tells me that she can see. The reptiles. She's got this amazing yeah. ability, but you can't put anything into that. You can't tell them that. So you can't give them any thought or suggestion. You've just got to let them talk, and then afterwards you can. So, is there any other strange events? Well, yeah, that's worse. Many, many years later, she's working in Preston, and she said it's end at shift. It's about past eight at night, winter's night, so it's dark, misty, which it always is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as I look out the window now, it's dark and mister. She said it's raining a tiny bit, but nothing, you know, just a tiny bit. She said she pulls the car, goes to pull the car out of the car park and you, the, the car park junctions with the main road. So she's got to look left and then look right to make sure there's no cars coming either way. She looks left, everything's fine. She looks right and she said right there in front of her is this what she described, her words were, an upright, two-legged, 
sneering reptilian that's walking towards her. Oh, God, again. Can you imagine? She said, I make eye contact with it, and I know immediately at that point it's feeding. So she said it was definitely psychic or telekinetic in some way, and it was feeding on a face. And she said she, she doesn't know how she put her head down and drove, but that's what she did. Oh, and, my God. You know, she said she was at work, same place, same building, and it was just an ordinary lunchtime. And she said there's a woman that she works with called Anne, and she's a tiny little woman tiny little thin thing and she said normally she eats like a bird she said and i'm having my dinner and I look over at her and she transmorphs into this toad like thing that starts ramming food into her mouth what and she said i'm looking at why can, why can why can nobody else see this why you know why can i know see this so that that were it that was the end event nothing ever happened again but yeah. she stuck there then for about 20 years with nobody to tell it to yeah, Preston history. I mean, no wonder there's that church with that bloody massive spire on it, mm. <laughs> with all that going on. Charlotte, you know, Charlotte, Leyland. Oh, it, yeah. It's an area of just where intercrossing ley lines cross, so the energy's real Charlie high. Charlie as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, look at the names, Charlie. Yeah. Leyland. It's yeah. the land of the ley, so, you know, you've got a lot of strange... That paranormal stuff that goes on there is almost um, honestly between Winter Hill and the coast is a multitude of UFO sightings and reports. Yeah, Wigan, home, you'd be amazed. Yeah. There seems to be loads over Manchester all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask you if you never approached Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays because he's that. Um... <laughs> I know Sean Ryder. He's from, my, he's from my town. Oh, <laughs> did you not add him on the show then? No, I've not tried, to be honest. I've, I have heard that he's had encounters, and I'm not surprised. Well, anyway, the UFOs, I don't know about the cryptids, but he had his UFO encounter yeah. in Salford. Uh, I would imagine so, because my husband did, and three of his friends, and that's probably a whole other show, because while I've been investigating that, the strangest events have, have kind of come into play, and that's led me to the, the Todmorden cases that I've been looking at. Oh, okay. with, um, and you can't be angry, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, you're going to have to tell us the other side after the... Yeah, the, I don't mind. I don't, yeah, mind. It's good, it's good I don't need to be interrupted by the... Right, I get you. So, no, I get There's you. a Todd for the other side of nine. Well, you've had some fascinating experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, it all sounds amazing. Uh, so people can join the British Bigfoot Research for Free, organisation for free. Yeah, we don't call it that anymore. We call it all B right. No, it's all right. We call it BBR Investigations because what I did was, as well as reaching out to witnesses, I knew that I didn't have enough knowledge in, like, the paranormal realm or the UFO realm. I knew that I needed help. So what I did was I just said to people, do you want to join for free? Let's just make this membership community. So the, say like the Preston case. Yeah. Really, what I would have wanted to do was get her in touch with someone from the Preston area that understood whether they'd had the same event or yeah, not. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's a brilliant get idea. someone out there to her, you know, so that they can talk to her. So that's what I'm trying to set up. And we're doing really well. We've got about 400 members now across the UK and starting to take shape across Europe and the world. But I'm always looking for new people. Um, so if you just put Deborah Hatswell into Google, I am that annoying, I will pop up. <laughs> <laughs> right, and what, what about the books you've written? You've written a few books? Uh, yeah, that was a new thing for me. I didn't, 
I've got so much information because, as I say, I've talked to lots of people all across the world. Oh. And so, you know, coming up. Right, right I'll tell us about the Todd Morgan case. I will do. Right, back to the second listeners. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! future is uncertain, I know this. Death is inevitable, I know this. But one thing is certain, as free men, it is our right to live unencumbered and in peace. And those times are quickly drawing to an end. And in these times, peace is certainly an illusion. And as the chains grow tighter, our ability to slip those chains increase incrementally with every passing moment. In action is no longer an option. It's time to raise our voices like a cacophony of thunder and lightning and tell the masters no more. And this is Nighthawk, and I say for myself, no more. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, because the freedom is slipping away. The pill has been taken. The blinders are on. Are we in the end game? Or are we simply living a replay of a time that's already happened? With no choices, different guests, different points of view. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Red Pill Roundtable. Every Wednesday at noon Eastern in Studio A. 
on Revolution Radio with Stephen Scorpio. Come on! Revolution.radio www.freedomslips.com Check it out. Galactic Interstellar Council on Revolution Radio Studio A, Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Join us as we traverse the Starseed Paradigm. As expressed in the time-space continuum that we know as the divine expression of love and light. Integrating this conscious unity into the galactic paradigm. So welcome all, both terrestrial beings and galactic beings as one. So be it. You're listening to Revolution Radio. This is Giuseppe from the District of Criminals. I pulled some strings and gotten you front row seats to my new show, The Perfect, the Perfect Triangle. Triangle, live Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Revolution Radio Studio A. The Perfect Triangle is equilateral, three sides of the same length. In an angry, bipolar world, three perfect sides reveal many truths. Body, mind, and spirit. Thought, word, and deed. Conspiracy, propaganda, and truth. Natural health, allopathic tyranny, and your body. Freedom, globalism, and sovereign nations. And so much more. Each week, the perfect triangle will blast through fake news lies, champion the natural way and natural law, unravel the Orwellian deceptions of our corrupt government, Reveal the satanic evil of globalist banks and transnational corporations. Tune in every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, to Revolution Radio, Studio A, for thoughtful discussions with free thinkers. Your calls are always welcome. The Perfect Triangle triangle. with Giuseppe from the District of Criminals. Join me, won't you? Revolution Radio. Studio B. Are you ready? Addict spirits and stories both current and from days gone by. The Spectre Detective. With Christine Hart. And we are back. You're listening to Spectre Detectives, Christine Joanna Hartshaw. Uh, I'm Christine's co host, Johnny Greasley. And we have the lovely Miss Deborah Hatswell with us, who is going to tell us all about spooky things going on in Todmorden. Take it away, Deborah. <laughs> well, just before the break, we were speaking about um, a lady in Preston who'd seen a re- reptilian like creature. Yeah. She wasn't the only person in the UK that came and made a report to me. And 
normally serendipity is at play. So one year when I went to probe, there was a young, Chris Turner was interviewing a young chap who was from the army um, and he was stationed in Germany and he saw a similar type of creature in his barracks. And then I found somebody else in Clapham Sea that had seen a very similar creature. So I've taken other reports. Back in the day, when in my first uh, marriage, my first husband was not the type of person that you could open up to about all these things that were going on. So we'd have like every tap in the house would go on at night and we had the strangest things going on, but he just wouldn't entertain any of it. Uh, but, I know what that feels like. Yeah. So when I met my second husband, he was very open to the, he, he just kind of, weird things have always happened down around him too. So he, he wasn't kind of put off by it. So I felt like I could tell him everything. So I said to him, look, this really strange thing happened when I was a kid. And for the, you know, the last God knows how many years I've been doing this in secret. I've been looking for other people and this is all my paperwork and this is what I do. So we knew all of it. And then I seen the look on his face and it's the only time I've ever seen him scared, really. And he said, look, I went, something happened to me when I was in my 20s and I find it really hard to talk about. But and he, all he said to me at that point was, I seen a UFO and it wasn't that far away from here. And I, I just can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. But I want on my own when it happened. So then he's watched me for years and years speaking to other people and saying to them, the best thing to do is to just speak it out if you can. Talk it into a radio, a recorder, write it down. Just do whatever you can to try and get yourself past that little bump. Except it happened. And then we can start looking at why, at possible whys. So he opens up a little bit more each time. And to cut a very long story short, in those years, I've realised that there's a number of UFO reports and they seem to come up the country following the, the ley line. I think it's the line of Albany or right. Albion. And they split it crew. So one goes off towards Todmorden to the, the, the east coast and the other goes across to Winter Hill to the east coast of the UK. So where I live now, you can see Jodrell Bank from where we live. We live that high up. It's many, many miles away, but you can see it. So you could imagine that that's, we're right between Winter Hill and Jodrell Bank. Got you. Right. So I start realising that there's all these stories in the newspapers of people that have seen craft. And when I first moved here to this town, would be 96, and I'm talking to one of the neighbours and he said, uh, I said, have you ever seen that weird round here? Because I ask that wherever I go. <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, it's weird you should say that. He said, but there was a dead strange event back in the 80s. And... At the back of where I live, it's just like farmers' fields. It's all mining land, so there's not a whole lot out there. And he said this light appeared above the fields, and all of the neighbours came out, and they were all looking at it, and it split into three, and it shot off to Winter Hill. And I just it was just a conversation that I filed away. I didn't even to make a note of it or anything. But I, I was friendly with him, so I still saw him over the years. So I finally get my husband to sit down. I tried taking him to meet Paul Sinclair. <laughs> I've done everything I can think of to get him to open up. And just this one day we're driving and I said to him, tell me about your event. And it just all comes spilling out. I didn't have my tape recorder on or everything. But I remember every word he said. And basically, where we live, it's like a new town. So for anyone who's in America, we'd be like a new build. So they kind of put you where it's just fields and farms and woodlands and they suddenly make a town and it's a small town. And that's kind of what ours is like. So past nine o'clock at night when the local store shut, the shop, you couldn't get any, you couldn't get cigarettes or lighter or anything, food. 
So what the people of the town would do, we'd walk all the way to the motorway, which is your equivalent of a freeway, to the petrol station, <laughs> which is about two and a half mile. Determination. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. If you ran out of milk or anything, that was the only way you were getting it, Jana. And they're, they're young lads, they're only 20, 21. Well, which food. service station was that? Was it Nutsford? No, it was not that far. It's on the East Lank, so walking, worstly area of the East. Oh, right, OK. Yeah? So yeah. he's walking, you're walking across fields, really, and I didn't know at the time, but on the way, on the walk, at the area where they all kind of forgot the memory ended, they all remember getting to certain points on the walk, and then they all wake up on the barrow. But what I didn't know was where they've all kind of, the event started for them. There's an old grass henge there that's not there anymore. Um, it would have been a place of worship back in the day. So they all, they're walking across the fields, the next thing they all wake up, and they're on top of what looks like a clump of dirt alongside the motorway. It's quite a high uphill. I now yeah. know it's a barrow. It's a burial site. They're head-to-head -head on top of it in, in a crucified, in a crucified form shape. Head-to-head, -head, feet sticking out. Every one of them came through at the same time and he said, we're all looking up at this white light above us and it shot up at speed. It went to the left, to the right, to the left again and then it shot off over Winter Hill. And he said, the strange thing was, when we came to, we all felt a bit drunk or like stoned or whatever, just not normal. Everything was dizzy and they couldn't really talk about it. But an hour and a half in time had gone. And they each had each other's items in the hand, as if they'd been to the garage. But say, like Mark had Gareth's and items, and Gareth had, had Lee's items. They had the wrong items in their hand. So he was abducted. Well, this is his main problem: is this hour and a half of missing time? He says he can't get his head around it. So I asked him if it was okay for interviewed his friends, and he was like, "Yeah, not a problem." So I did. And they all gave the same story. They all just kind of remember a little bit different of when the memory stopped. So one said, we got to the yew tree, and I just remember waking up on the barrow. And the other one said, you know, we were just between the cemetery and the yew tree, and I, I don't remember much, so we come on top of that hill. We woke up on top of that hill. One of the lads watches the sky constantly. He has every telescope you can think of. And some of the images he's got are absolutely amazing. Um, so I interviewed them all and I was really interested in it and serendipity again, somebody me messages me and says, Debbie, there's this modulated car, just car just been found in Todmorden. Can you get one of your members up here to have a look at it? So we did. And it was a typical mute case. No blood on the ground, completely clean scene. So so when was this, Deb? Was that, that this year? Yeah, that was June, July 17th this year. Okay. Right. Faces peeled. Um, usual story, eh? Typical usual story, but no sign of gore, no blood, nothing. So it's not a dog kill. It's not a cat kill. There's no puncture wounds to the neck or anything like that. Why there's nothing predating on it, I don't know, because it should be. It should be full of blackbird, you know, uh, magpies and crows. But yeah, nothing, no, nothing. And it stayed out there a good month till it rotted away with nothing. It's in a field full of sheep up on Toddy Moor. It's the guy walking, just doing his Sunday walk when he finds it. Fought on his feet and took loads of photographs for him. And he said to me, no, I don't mind you using my name. So I get in touch with a couple of the big UFO guys and they didn't really do anything. So a guy called Lee Nicholson offered to go out and speak to Albert. He got all the information on the case. And the 
kind of two things started merging together because then I was I was really interested in like re- UFO reports because when I was younger I was obsessed with Zorian Bedansky, you know the guy that went he found on top of the coal heap in Chodmidu. Oh god, that's mad that story. It is. That spooks me that story. Yeah, I was I was obsessed with it, and he had these triangular burn marks when they found him. Well, one of my husband's things about that night is that he has a triangular burn mark on his arm. That what, appeared. Yes, yeah, it's a scar that's still there now, like a white oh scar. God. Yeah, so the two things started kind of pulling together. So it's kind of like I'm being pointed in that direction. So I'm just letting it carry me at the moment. I'm sure I'll get to the end of it. But to cut a long story short, it, it was. We think the cars come from um, a farm that during the two, early 2000s had a number of animal mutes on it. Yeah. Got a phone call, everything got shut down. He wouldn't speak to David Caton anymore. Well, this calf, yeah, this calf had no air tag. No farm has claimed it. If your calf dies, you've got to let the authorities know within seven days because you want to test it. They want to know why it's dead in case it's an infectious disease. A bad disease, yeah. None of that. It just got left up there on... In the sheep field. I've never seen a calf on the sheep field. And it looked like it had been dropped from above. He didn't have um, internal bruising as if it had been, but that's what it looked like. It just dropped from above. Did a vet examine it? No, couldn't get one to come out. Right. So I kind of left Lee with it. I've said to him, right. So he's found, I think, when when I last looked, there were 11 mutilation cases along that area so he's now mapping them and trying to find witnesses to those so that'll be a case that lee's going to do and then i'll present it when it's finished because that's kind of what i do now they go out they do the investigation they give me all the thing at the end and then i do the video or the podcast or interview the guest but they're the ones doing the hard work right so we've got animal mutilations going on in yorkshire definitely for the american listeners is a county that is uh northeast yeah, in England. North coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Up from Bempton. Yeah. About it. You know, you know all the stuff that goes on at Bempton, Maria. Bempton. Oh, I, I was about to just sort of mm. do a, a quick thing. There's a lot of very strange activity going on in Yorkshire, and there always has been. Case in point, Ameri- the film American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Not that far from the truth. I'm no, being serious when I say that. There's a reason why that film was made. Um. So we've got everything going on in Yorkshire. We've got ancient sites, like I mentioned before, Star yeah, yeah. Old land. You, you know, uh, land of the fair as well. It's all fairy land. Yeah. Uh, very beautiful. Mm. Uh, moors. Oh, there's... Um, what's the um, American listening station called that's on the moors? Can you oh, know that? No, I've not got a clue. don't know. There's no. that American listening station that's there. I'm yeah. Having there. Most of the northeast coast is utilised because yeah. honestly, you can stand there and you can see Norway at night. Yeah, you're, not, you're nearer to Norway than you are to London. In all honesty, it's the north. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. This it. Now this is a strange thing. Um, see Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. There are parts of England that are more, more north than parts of Scandinavia. People don't realise that. No, they don't realise that. So we, some parts of England are really quite north. So Yorkshire, you've got everything. You've got UFOs, you've got aliens, you've got werewolves, you've got yeah. every bugger thing going. It's all happening in Yorkshire. I mean, Whitby, 
is yeah. in Yorkshire where Pat is a case, Yeah, I've just been working on a case this week from Whitby. Oh, have you? Yeah, I have. You know the 199 steps? Oh, I leading up to the church, the cathedral. I've never done yeah. it like I've done it. No, I've never done it either. But somebody yeah. got in touch with me and it's some, an event that happened when they were younger and they were in, they, they walked up the 99 steps and they just saw what they described as basically the Grim Reaper, but without the sheath, without the size. So this whole really? dark figure that's, you know, walking about in the churchyard. So every, from... Honestly, from the tip of Kent all the way up to Scotland, if you follow that northeast coast, the, the very first werewolf start, start in Kent. Something, yeah, they go through the Medway, which is around London area, but on the flat marshes. So along this, the east coast, the estuary, there's a number of estuaries that follow up that northeast coast. And the sighting reports are clustered around them. So even in places like Chapel St. Leonard, you've got a couple out walking the dog on winter's night, they're shining the torch for the dog, and they see what they describe as this humanoid figure with white eyes watching them from the woodland. It was about seven foot tall, and it was completely black. And they were terrified. They picked the dogs up on the run. And they said they don't think it was on its own in there because there was loads of banging and smashing on trees. You've got police officers in Yorkshire that are on, um, they found a man dead in the woods. There's predation on this man, but they're calling it natural predation because he's been out there dead for a while, which is possibly true. But you've got two police officers. It's about a past eight at night, so it's dark again. It can go dark, can't it, in the north about half one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. yeah easily. So it's dark and the female officer screams. She said she saw something with red eyes bounding towards her and it was thickly muscled. And that was saving police officers that made that report. You've got um, it's the multitude, they just run up that northeast coast all the way up to the tip of Scotland. And then obviously they can't go anymore. Yeah. But there are other places in England that are exactly the same as that, where you've got this Cannock Chase, for instance. You said it before. There oh, are, Cannock's a madhouse. Yeah, 28. <laughs> I've had 28 single reports from Cannock from different people going oh, from the. Right. What, different uh, encounters? Yes, so yeah, so you've got like your pig man down near the pig tower, near the pie tower down that end. Yeah, I know about the pig man. Then a number of big, what we would call Bigfoot cases, the seven foot hair covered looks like an ape and a man combined, mostly werewolf canine around that German cemetery area and the the, the base there. So I've had a chap who was out not this weekend, the weekend before. He's investigating between the base and the German War Cemetery. And he says, suddenly someone points a torch at him from out of the trees. And, he, you know, he's like, oh, um, Aya, he said, and this, whoever had the torch didn't speak. He just kept the torch on him until he walked away. And then he turned the torch back in and he said, and he just spooked me. It was just yeah. as if he was there yeah. waiting. And then he shone the torch in my eyes kind of thing. And it was in January of last year when he had his encounter there. They saw something like the size. He said it was thick like the side of the dog and, and muscled and it was moving through the trees at Cannock. Oh, um, yeah. I used to live in the West Midlands and Cannock mm. Chase in the winter. It won't be that welcoming. No, know? no, it's but not. what is it with forests? Big forests. And we've got a lot of them in England. Mm. And, you know, Scotland, Wales, everywhere, we've got big forests. Yeah, we have. People don't believe that. They say, oh, it's far too urban. There's less than 20%. Joking. Less than 20% of the UK is urban, and that includes roads, airports, yeah. 
hospitals. It's not, it's not at all like that. We live in conurbation, so we live in yeah. very small towns. And between those towns, you've got lots of farmland. We've got 55 estuaries. You've got a number of rivers that join that estuary. The canal that goes through my town alone has five rivers that flow into it. So you've got all yeah. the river courses. We have high mountain land and lush valleys. We do. Uh, the, fur the further south you go, the warmer it is. Yeah. They, they get much warmer temperatures than ours. It's lighter for longer. And the more north you go, it, it changes. So it's very much like America. So you've got the hot, yeah. arid south and, and the damp northwest and northeast. So I think whatever's going on has been going on as long as time, I've got to be honest. Because I think, I yeah, I think they've always been here. And um, we just don't understand them. I think they were. And you've got to think about our history as well and yeah. all the invasions and all the different people. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Like we've been, we were invaded by the Romans. Oh, I don't mean, talk to me about the Romans. <laughs> oh, no. You haven't, have you? No, not that. I just have a real problem with them. <laughs> because when we're in school, as children in England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales, we're only taught history from the Romans up. Right. We're not taught about our original history. So there's no mention of Albina and her daughters. There's no mention of Gog and Magog, the giants. There's our no true history, you mean, not like the... Covered. We don't learn, yeah, we don't learn about the green man in school. Yeah, our true identity. Yeah, it, it, it's taken away from us. Yeah, and it's the same way that when somebody assimilates a country, that that country's culture is completely died out. And that's more or less what the Romans did for us. They took away our religion's the wrong word. It was just we were, we had nature gods and things like yeah. that. And, and to be seen practising that way, you would be killed. And that carried through all the way through the witch towels. And even to today in England, if you say you're a witch, people will give you the eye roll. Whether you're a hedge witch, you know, or a full-on coven witch, doesn't matter. They don't understand it. There's that awful connotation. So many people don't understand the elemental side of things. We yeah. could be dealing with something that is, what was it the, um, the early Pictish people called them, um, men of the trees, because they could be men, but they could also be the tree. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, that's very Irish, yeah. that as well, isn't it? It is in the early Druids, the Dreads. The Druids. The same. The turn into trees. Yeah, they could be man or tree at will. And and that sounds very old-fashioned, but that could be a natural ability of blending in with that tree and suddenly becoming invisible. Or it I've could be an, something magical. I've yeah. got an interesting story about that. I'll just tell you it really mm. quick. Do you remember a series called Edge of Darkness that was on in the 80s on BBC, I think? And it was uh, made into a film with Mel Gibson. No, then no, I don't. I'm, I'm it was about the nuclear industry. Right. Right. I met the friend of the person that wrote it. Right. He wrote the original Edge of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And he told me that in the original version of it, the um, protagonist, the male hero at the mm -hmm. end, turns into a tree. Well, that was too much. It was, it was like a deep ecology type right. story that he'd written. But the, that was too much for the BBC. So they cut that bit out. They couldn't have him turning into yeah. a tree. Yeah. Which I've always thought was really interesting. Yeah, Edge of Darkness. Um, right. It was it was um, about the nuclear industry uh, right. in England, but the Mel Gibson film they've turned it into sort of like it being set in America, yeah. but the same kind of story. 
But yeah, people, um, people in the UK don't realise that if most of us, almost, I mean, me for instance, and probably all of us, we have English, Irish, Scottish, and Welsh blood running within us. I've you got know? Nordic and Finnish as well. Yeah, same for me because I live in a, yeah. a town that has a harbour and dock, so we had a lot of Swedish sailors and <laughs> sailors. So yeah, I've got that in my family as well. But um, you, you kind of. At the, the, without trying to sound poetic, the earth in your bones, in your blood, you know, the streams run through your body. We, we're all, the way I say it is, thousands of Britons are to fall in love for you to be just here talking to me now at this moment. That's how special each and every single person in the UK is and yeah. worldwide. We forget that and we forget our connection not all of us some people with our connection with nature we're supposed to be connected to nature we live on an island we yeah. you know we we grew out of that when we settled and started to farm we kind of started losing those ways and now is people that don't know how to start a fire without a lighter and, and people are saying well what what must bigfoot see i say well whatever your great-grandparents had before there were shops the food's out there we just forgot the knowledge of you know how to get yeah. in how to forage it so there's a, I feel that, and, and many of the people out there who are sensitive will tell you the same, there's a big change coming, a big change coming, and it's already started, and this is why we're being locked down into the houses. There's a massive change coming. And there are many, many, many beings out there that are doing everything they can to get the message across. So it's coming from the Bigfoot community, it's coming from UFO. I don't know the names of different alien groups, but people will attest there's this wake up quick before yeah, I feel like you know, that. that the elite take over. And if the absolute worst comes to the worst, some people who are still connected to nature will be able to survive because they'll know what food to find. They'll know yeah. how to clean the water. If we go back that far, the switch could be that bad that we've yeah. been our food in six months' time. And people say, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. We haven't been out of the house for 223 days. So, yeah. you know, we're already back on full lockdown. You can't buy anything out there that's not non-essential. So the, the Jew is the waking up and people like that. It's a big rush. I feel very rushed to share the message. Very, mm. very rushed. That people are awakening and they need to awaken quick and, like, switch on. And it, that everybody's... And I don't mean offence to anybody when I say this, but it's really easy to not be switched on because we're programmed to look at the iPhone or look at the TV. Yeah. That's that's what our attention is supposed to be drawn to. So we don't notice everything that's happening on our peripheral. And we need yeah. to be looking in our peripheral rather than straight in front of us. So I, I feel pushed to get that across. I don't know why, but I have always felt like I've needed to push to get that tail across but it's never been as important as now More urgent. yeah that's I, what it feels like i feel like we're, we're going up a roller coaster and we're just yeah. coming to the top we just don't we're about to go down on the down bit i, I agree i just feel like everything's working up in the other and, and beings as well you've yeah. got very ancient souls that are away yeah oh yeah that's all happening it's all mm. coming because um what is it? There's all these legends about when England needs to be saved. The giants will come for her. They will. They come. Uh, the, the very first legend of England is that Albina sailed on a on a boat with three daughters, mm. and her daughters married the giants of Albion, which was England back then. Scotland was Caledonia. Yeah. One of the very first written accounts of a man monkey in the UK 
was written by the Gauls in the 6th century. And they speak, yeah, they speak of the Satris, or man monkey of the Caledonia Hills, which is Scotland. And these man monkeys, the Satris, would steal fish from the nets. They would steal women from the village. Oh dear. The, only, the only thing they were scared of was fire. Now, that story translates all the way across the world. Every single culture has a story like that, of this hairy man type thing that lives in the wood that steals your women or takes yeah. your babies. You know, even the wild man of Yalom in the 17th century was supposed to have got a maid pregnant. And the area that I'm talking about, this Caledonia, the, the, the satirists were so bad that they chased the Gauls out to Birmingham. And there's still activity to this day. There are still people in those areas that are seeing upright, tall, hairy-looking hominids. Oh, yeah. And, Scotland, absolutely. Giants yeah. as well. And mountain and giants. The mountains, they're just everywhere. So you've got from the Grey Man of Ben McDew, you've got the Running Man legend. So for me, I'll take you across the coast and kind of explain it. So if we go on the northeast coast, you've got Angus, um, and there are a number of reports around Bankery and Tarfins. Uh, this seven-foot-tall creature near the Bankery stones, so they're near the standing stones, and this mm -hmm. creature can be seen running through the woods or keeping up with a car. Can you imagine that? Being in a car and something seven-foot <laughs> that looks like something out of Planet of the Apes is keeping oh up with God. a car while you're in it. Yeah. These are not the only reports in the area. I'm just giving you a quick skim through. So Dundee, yeah, one yeah. road. Anyone who's in the area knows of the five roads roundabout. So in 95, you've got a gent who's driving his car late at night. He, drive, he passes the five rounds roundabout and he sees this upright, tall, hairy thing come from the woods on either side, I should say, near the Tay River. That he comes out from the right hand side and it walks in front of the car and goes into the woods. Ten years later, in 2005, you've got another gentleman. They don't know each other, they're complete strangers. He's travelling north and it's morning. And he says, This thing's come from the right hand side of the road. He walks across the car and it goes into the woodland on the side of me. So you've got two people that don't know each other, have never spoken. One got in touch with um, Cliff Barrickman in America, the one in 2005, and he sent it across to me. And the other one was in the newspaper, the one from 95. He'd actually written into the newspaper and said, I've seen this thing. And he got an enormous right. amount of ridicule, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. like, you, can, you can pick anywhere in the country like that and they're there. And that's why we. I wasn't up at Culbin last month, uh, last night. I just... This Culbin Forest, as many people will know, is a very, very strange area. Oh, yeah. So what happened last night then? Halloween night, so you yeah. got the full moon. Well I, forgot, I, well, I forgot it were Halloween because we're on lockdown, so it's not exciting, <laughs> is it? You forgot it was Halloween. Yeah, it was Normally we make a big fuss for our kids on the state. My husband dresses up as something and he chases them around the state. We, do a bit, we get the fog going, we do a big thing. But there wasn't yeah. a, a child when we weren't allowed to do it. So I just I said to him, oh, I'm going to, um, I'll just probably, the video was going out at 8 o'clock that I was working on. And I said to him, I'll open a live feed just for anyone. Sometimes I'll open it just because these people will message me and say, Deb, I'm really bored. Will you open your live feed so I can talk to people? And I say, yeah, of course I do. And I'll just stick one of my videos on. But Colbin Forest didn't used to be a forest. It used to be a village and it had like a church, farms little shop, all of the above in the 1600s. And this huge storm buried the village under about 140 feet of sand. A storm? 
yeah, massive storms. Wow. So, so as you walk through Colbin, as obviously as time's gone, it's, it's a lot lower now. You can see the tops of chimney stacks or just the tip, like the last foot of a roof at your feet oh, as you walk in. Really, really bizarre. And then you've got like a World War II crash. I think there's two in there, actually, where the parts of the plane are still there. So it's always had this connotation of strangers. It's not that far from Culloden, where the battlefield oh, is. And I can't go near that. It makes me feel sick. Well, you'll you'll be interested in these reports then. So mm -hmm. from the Murray Force down to Culloden, you've got like the Nairn Valley. Yeah. So we've got a number of witnesses that have come forward in those areas separately. And I'll go through them with you in a minute. But where I'm really lucky in, there's a lady that lives there and she rescues dogs. So she has a huge pack of dogs. And what she'll right. do is she'll go into Culbin about four in the morning with dogs. So there's no other people about. And she can just let the dogs off and let them run and get rid of some steam. And she does it later on at night. And at first, she started noticing these. We called them orbs at first, but I don't think that's the right name for them. You kind of, it's like a white circular light, but you can see it with your eye and you can pick it up on camera and it moves across the path very quickly. But she was even capturing them in the daytime. And you can see on the camera, it's this white, this movement within it. So it's not How even big enough. are they? I'd say mm, golf ball size from the images on the photo. Right, okay. Um, so she's not making any claims and she's checking them on a flip phone. And she just sent them to me and said, have you ever seen anything like that before? And I said, well, I have on. It's weird. Rendlesham have seen them from there. Oh, I've, I've heard them mentioned as well in a number of the Bigfoot reports where people have been drawn into the woods by these fairy lights, as we would call them. Yeah. And they go after the light and then they end up kind of lost or they have an event of missing time or something. So she starts videoing them and I, she said to me, there's other weird stuff goes in, in the forest. Do you want me to take photos of that as well when I see it? So I said, yeah, please, if you don't mind. So we've had everything from consistently each year in autumn Deer legs, male deer legs are hung up very high in the trees. Uh oh. Mm -hmm. I said, uh oh. Very strange, isn't it? Yeah. So I was able to match that to when I said to Yellowham, where the original wild man, the wild man of Yellowham, same thing, same season, same year, deer legs hung up in the trees, which I thought, oh, that's bizarre. Like, you know. Mm far apart one's at the very tip of scotland and one's in there obviously down past the midlands in england other things than that though so you've got like very intricate rock stacks that you'd be amazing the way they're balanced and they'll be on top of a 10 foot snapped trunk i was in listening to the thing about rock stacks recently on the uh, world's big foot radio yeah yeah mm. they can be like a cairn so you'll find them almost like as each person passes through, they put a stone on it. Yeah. But the ones I'm talking about, like artworks of art, they could very well be human. But what's really weird is some of them appear. They're not there as she walks in. They're there as she walks out. So they, And I've had that experience myself in Scotland. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Oh, so these, like, intricate bones placed within trees and balanced. There's these strange, what almost look like blinds or hides that are made from the heather and the brush, and they appear overnight and then vanish. Um, so she starts, she sees, not up close and not 100%, she, she never said a Bigfoot at any point, she said a grey, misty figure. So we're talking more of a humanoid shape, way off in the distance, and that's kind of as close as she's seen anything. 
So like me, she wants to know more. She starts asking around. So she finds a lady in Nairn who saw the same thing, but she said it was upright. It was about seven foot tall. Um, I will give Jana a link to my map to share with everybody, and it's free. Just have a look on it. If you click on it, it'll, all these stories will open up for you to read. And if there's a video, there'll be a link there. So she describes a seven-foot-tall creature walking towards the viaduct near Culloden. Mm-hmm. Then a poacher comes forward and says he's seen it numerous occasions. And one night, he had his net set up in the stream. He's pushing fish towards the net. And this thing, bloody great thing, reaches down, takes one of his nets and runs off back into the woods. And he said there was another point where he was out and he heard what he thought was the game warden coming, so he hid in the brush. He said and it was this thing and it walked past him. There's another couple up there who say, oh, yeah, they just go, they go like morning and night backwards and forwards. We don't really pay much attention. We just keep making sure the cottage door's shut. Um, and there's another report, just going to get it to come into my head at the moment. Yeah, another chap who said that he'd seen it as well and when he saw it, it was near the bioduct again. So maybe it's walking that Nairn Valley, I'm not so sure. But the sighting reports run up past the Murray Forth and they just keep going past Inverness. So our latest report to come in came in in March as we went into lockdown. I had a chap getting in touch with me who lives near Leg, so right up on the northeast coast. Right. And he said he was out getting firewood. He lives way out there. So all, all he's got at the back of his house is mountains and, and, and Eastland. There's nothing out there. And there's loads yeah. of abandoned quarries. So he's in the quarries picking wood for the fire. And he said, I heard the gate at the quarry go, which I thought would be unusual anyway, because the only time the year the farmer appears when he comes on his tractor, because it's really steep. I didn't hear the tractor. But even more peculiar, because we'd just been put into lockdown. So... It was like two or three days after the initial lockdown. Ah, so you wouldn't expect any tourists to... Nobody up here, and that's what really surprised him. So he he said he'd run up to the top of his drive so he could look and catch the person as they were coming through. And he said it wasn't a person. It was about seven foot tall. It was all dark in colour, and it just walked away from him downhill. He said, and there was one point where I think it turned back and looked at me because it was the gloaming, which the, for the Scottish people, the gloaming is like dusk. Mm. Couldn't see facial features, but he definitely thinks that it looked back at him and just carried on walking away downhill. So did you have any happenings last night then when you were in the wood? Well, I didn't. That's what I'm saying. I didn't. Unfortunately, the live feed, I wasn't actually in Colbin Forest. What I was doing was... Oh, I see. Sorry. Ah, over the last six years, all these, all these photographs you sent me... Right, with you. With you, right. I thought, right, well, I know what I'll do. I'll put those on so people can see what I was talking about in the video. So as I'm saying, oh, yeah. this has been found and this has been found. So I was just showing it to people, but it's meant a number of other people have got in touch with me. Two of them are paranormal reports, also on the Collagen battleground, and one's a UFO report. So I'll interview them this week, and then I'll find somebody in the area that I can team them up with, and then they'll carry on. But what usually happens sometimes, they'll just talk to them online, depending on what the witness wants, or all the way through to meeting at the area, filming the witness speaking, showing the area in question. It just depends on what the, the witness is comfy with. Do you think there's a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs? It's a question I have to ask. I I have to say, I think it's all connected in some way. I mm. think 
I really do. I'm not sure whether it's the, the area itself that puts out the phenomena or it attracts it like a huge magnet or even if it's the person. A hundred people could walk one ward and nothing would happen. But you put a certain personal walk through there and they'll see anything. Yeah. The wee folk right the way through to the Bigfoot-like creatures. Is it energy in some shape or form that's showing as we would accept it? Don't know. I can't really say 100% either way. There are Bigfoot reports in the UK where the person talks about the face shifting. So from the typical looking Bigfoot face, shifting right through to an alien grey. As if it's really? in appearance. You get what I mean? It's shape-shifting, basically. Now, that is there. weird. It's awful. Can you imagine that? From a Bigfoot to an alien right. grey. But you'll also see paranormal people who work with little Victorian ghosts who turn out to be demons. Energy with negative energy will appear in any way you'll accept it. You know, yeah. so, so that you can accept it, and then if you if you're weak, it will feed on you. But there's also, I do, I do believe that there's some kind of connection, and I, I just can't say I don't have any proof of it. But there are a number of reports where the creatures have been seen after a craft has been sighted. Yeah, and then you hear that all over the world. Yeah, the oh. other side of it, that like you said it before, that you can interview a witness to the UFO genre and they might have had an experience with Bigfoot or also with the Fae or with... It seems to be a type of people that are experiencing these things. So people that can pick up on them maybe or whose energy can be picked up on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's quite rare that you get people that just have one single experience. Mm. I yeah. think it's it's like most people. There's there's stuff going on. Yeah. So what we're looking at it then really is we're looking at energies, energies manifesting in different forms. Very well. Could be yeah. that negative energy or positive energy. It can be either or. Yeah, it can Human. be either or. Yeah, yeah. But it's not to be. Yeah, I, I, some of them I call energy feeders because I don't have a name to put on them. It's this thing that we've not discussed yet. This When you're in the woods and you're being shadowed by something that's following you but you can't see it, it stops when you stop. It starts when you start. You'll get a growl. Sometimes it'll cross the path in front of you and you can hear it crossing but you can't see it. Have you experienced this yourself? Yeah, I have on two occasions. Yeah, I have on two occasions but... Hundreds and hundreds of other people have experienced it as well. And it's, do you know the film Predator? That's the I only do. thing you can do. This something that is energy that's moving. And you can't see it, but you can see the movement of it. And you can see it moving the, 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 the leaves. As right. It goes, right. So you've got everything from a normal woman like me who's seen it when she's been in the woods right the way through to there's a guy in um northumbria who's a dog musher so he's out with these dogs doing just doing a circular route he's just training him and he said out of nowhere he's one of his lead dogs micah something came at her from the right hand side and just hit her right in the side took her down to the floor he said he could see that she was fighting with something and he could see that something was biting her biting her but he couldn't see what it was and all half of the other dogs were too scared to intervene and the other dogs jumped in like a pack. Yeah. So this thing took off across the grass, went up a tree, and he said you could see it go up, but you couldn't see it. Yeah, so it, almost, it was like the predatory effect. Yeah, like it was mirroring its surroundings. 
you know? But they're the ones that scare me the most because it's scary being able to see what's pursuing you. Well, what the hell are those things? I have no idea. Paul Sinclair calls them invisible life forces. I think it's a very good word for them. The witnesses will call them anything from a glimmer man to a prismatic being. So once again, it depends on what the witness decides that they are. Um, I'll give you another instance, Epping Forest. So back in the oh, 70s. that's another hotbed. Yeah, a real hotbed. Mm. So we've got two lads fishing, typical lads. They've got the brollies up, they're fishing, they're doing a bit of night fishing. It's only about 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And they hear this, like, thud of, like, as if something's jumped out of the woods and landed behind them. That's yeah. terrifying. He said, but we thought it was going to be the local perv because he had another <laughs> jump. And each, each jump is getting closer and closer to the umbrellas. So the lad said, like, we only had like little fishing knives on us, but we thought if we jumped out together, you know, like braved it, he'd leg it off. Yeah. He said, but we were both absolutely crapping it, so we had to kind of get ourselves together. And each time this jump's getting closer and closer. And as they jump out to confront whatever it is, there's nothing there. Oh, God. That just gives me the creeps. Yeah. So, and then I've got, uh, I think there was one not far from me, a gent who was on the marina fishing, same thing again. He's in his bivvy and he hears something walk round the back of his bivvy, but you can't see it. That's terrifying to me because you can fight a foe that you can see, but yeah. if you don't know where, you know, if you're in the middle of a dark wood and something's moving around you and you, you don't know that it's moving around you, what kind of hope have you got there? How really? can you defend yourself? You can't even yeah. see what. Yeah, that's it. And it doesn't just happen outside in the wilds. It happens to people at home. In, oh, in yeah, the I've seen the predator-type thingy come out of the wall. In right. the house I was living in in Coventry, that's a whole other story, the house I lived in in Coventry. But it mm. didn't look like the predator in the yeah. film. It was you. a humanoid, mm-hmm. but it was that prismy. Yeah, that's it, yeah. saw it as well, and it just, it just walked out of the wall, walked towards us, and just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I, I know what you're talking about. There's no way of understanding what it is. For me, the first time I felt it, I was out with my friend, a different, completely different friend, and I would have been about 19, so I was much older, and something ran between us. That's the only way I can put it. It kind of ran between us, and I knew it was coming up that embankment, but I, I was stuck between being scared of it or being too scared to say something's coming and realising that I was a weirdo because I've spent the first 35 years of my life being really embarrassed about the stuff that goes on around About me. who you are. Yeah, so in that split second of something running up in between us, I expected a man to come up that bank. I thought he was going to come up that bank and bang, you know, push one of us to the floor and then drag us into the woodline. Yeah, That's what it felt so like. Yeah, it ran between us. It just ran between us. I remember my hair moving. And think yeah. I just filed it away as a yet yeah, yeah. another strange yeah event. another incident. Mm-hmm. I know exactly how you feel because I've just had it all my life and I've but had you... all kinds of things, so I know what you're saying. And you don't put it together, do you? I've never put that Bigfoot, whatever you want to call him, that I saw in the park. I have never put that together with all of the things that happened before and all of the things that happened afterwards until I started looking at other subjects. Yeah. Once I got me head out of that flesh and blood it can't be anything other than flesh and blood once I got my head out of there and settled down into the things that I've seen around the home and what I was experiencing in the woods I just kind of grew into it but that it was that time where I had to leave the British Bigfoot behind because that's all I was ever allowed to speak about 
Yeah. Nobody wanted me to talk about any of the other stuff that was going on. So I still felt like I'd freed half of myself, but I was hiding all this other stuff. And that's the paranormal. Yeah. uh, I can't wear a watch, Jan. I've never been able to wear a watch. Oh, I can't either. No, I can't can't wear a watch. I I didn't realise that was a thing until we were coming back. Oh, what again. does that mean, not being able to wear a watch then? Because I've never Something known... to do with your static electricity. I, I, if I can kiss people and give them a static shock. Or... Oh, I've had a lot yeah. of electric shocks. Yeah. I'll tell you what I have. It's stopped now, but I had a phase where I'd go in supermarkets and things would throw themselves off the shelves. Right, yes. That's, that, and that's, you have yeah. that. Kinetic energy. Yeah. I used to work in a little old shop and they used to say, it's haunted in here, you know, because when, you, yeah, when you're in here and, and, and bread jumps off the shelves and they never worked yeah. out, it was only ever when I was in, so I just didn't say anything. Oh, I to get back and talk. Yeah, I, I can't talk to people about that. I, yeah. I don't tell. I just can't, can you? How can you say that? Plus, I'm a single mum back then. I'm a single mum. I've only got two daughters. I'm just trying to keep a roof over our heads. That was kind of my focus at the time. I just split up from him. So you, you're coming out of one relationship. You don't realise at the time that it's the best liberation you've ever had. Uh, you know, you're going through all that. And then you're coming into yourself as a woman in your th- early 30s. And then I had the accident. Yeah. Um. I I just had this really silly fall one day. It wasn't my fault. It had been like dints and divots on the land and they'd not fill them in they just kind of put a bit of turf over top of them and I play with kids it's Easter Sunday I was with my sister-in-law foot went down I carried on going so my foot came away from my leg inside the skin so then oh, they got put all, I know they got to put all that back together I smashed my arm up um so I was like proper on a bed can't move can't do anything for a very very long time so you start using your brain and it was then that I thought, I need to be reaching out to as many different subjects as possible and just learning whatever I can. Wow. You know, running and, and, yeah, instead of being scared. And that's when I thought, I'm going to get as many people as I, I can together across the UK. So if there's anyone else like that, like me out there that thinks they're absolutely crackers, <laughs> you can just email in and say, I'm going through all this stuff. And then we can go right that's absolutely fine we're used to that don't worry about it you're completely normal do you want me to put you in touch with someone who's very similar to you or do you just want to talk to me about it in confidence so I've kind of got myself to this point and then it's just what do I do from now Jana what do I you know do I branch keep going and branching out and and just hope that we set up an even bigger network I think that's the plan well I think your network's going to grow and grow I mean I think we've got to a point now where we've we've crossed the threshold with all these kind of yeah I agree subjects and it's easier to talk about um things for loads of reasons yeah so I think you're going to grow and grow and I think it's like I said I think it's doing a great service to people I hope so it is trauma it is for me it was I always feel awful saying PTSD because that's the people who've been through war but it's the same, it's the only way I could describe it to you is if you were sitting on your couch in the living room and the next thing a lion comes in through the front door. This yeah. thing, it's it's a primal fear. That's why I pushed my friends to the floor. It wasn't a, a thought-out act. I'd already no, tried. It's a natural that, human survival instinct. Yeah, that, I did it without even thinking. And I'm still I still apologize to for it to this well, day. But I did it. There's nothing I can, you know, but I'm not the only one that did. Mark Farnell who lives Tarleton, which is just on the northwest coast, but yeah. further to Merseyside. 
so he's 14. He's most lads in the UK will recognise this. They make ramps in the in the woods and rope swings and little assault courses and all of the above. He's in there with his mate doing that. And he said they just seen this thing coming towards them and they didn't even know what name to put to it. He said it was only about five and a half feet tall, but it was completely hairy, real scruffy and awful looking. And it actually screamed at them like this huge snarling scream. And he said, I remember looking at me mate and weighing up which one of us it would get first. He said Nana was off. Mm. And when I put the report out, um, I, it actually cost me, uh, I, I used to do a radio programme back then, and I'm not going to give the name out, but she said to me that was re- that interview was really unprofessional because he had his wife in the living room with him and his child, and that's not how we do things. And I said, well, that's how I do things, because if he's prepared to sit there and tell me his life story in front of his wife and his child, that tells me that they know it, they're used to it. He's told it him so many times before. That's part of him. That's part of his identity. That's And he has me. a family. And like I thought, yeah. family history. That was that, me. That's yeah. That exactly, Jana. That's what I thought. And I just yeah. thought, right, I'm going alone. From now on, I'm just going alone. I'm not answering to anybody else again. I want them to be in the homes comfortable while they're telling one of the scariest moments of their life. He's a grown man, so no one's going to take him serious. He's an adult. He made yeah. a choice. He didn't yeah, force him. That was it. So, and he, and I just said to him, "Thank you, Mark," because honestly, that was really freeing. And I, when I put the the video out, the, the other lad that was with him, his mum got in touch, and right. strangely, her name was Jana. <laughs> and, I know, and it's it on YouTube. <laughs> if you look up the creature of Tartan, below it in the comments, the lady actually says, "I remember the day those boys came back and how frightened they were." And she said to me, in your video, you've got it wrong. You've put um, an, an image of two young kids and they were 13 or 14. And I said, I know he did tell me that, but I couldn't, I just couldn't find an image that would work. So I had to go with a boy that was about nine or 10. But she, and I love that because I thought, no, she's corrected me and said they were not that, you know, they were like 14. And it, it just shows you that in, in, even in just a normal little family, there's a story. Someone will say, oh, oh yeah. Could say that you know i think every family's got a ghost story mm. we're going to be coming up to the end of the show soonish oh. uh so how do people get in touch with you if they do want to share an experience with you what's the best way um i'm dead easy to find on facebook if you just put my name on facebook i'll pop up and i've used got my glasses on you know um i look like i do on that picture now that if you can see it um my email is all lowercase and it's just debbie hatswell at gmail.com but you can debbie find Hatswell. yeah debbie hatswell at gmail.com but if you just put into google debbie hatswell email it will pop up i've made sure that that's the easiest way that people can find me and um, currently you've got I, your youtube channel you're doing plenty of live streams you're probably going to be doing more because we're all going into bloody lockdown so it's going to be that's the idea you know as i said to you what the other thing that we do with the members is before the darn lockdown we would meet at like Cannock Chase and we'd have a cup of tea. My husband would get the campfire going, we'd have a brew. Oh, I do love that. I know. And whatever your experience is, just come out. We never charge. Just come out, sit with us. You share as you want to share. Don't share if you don't want to. And the the plan was we were just going to go around the country doing that oh, and that getting as many awesome. people together as we could. So we did a number of them and they were really, 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 really good. And then it stopped. So we were going to have the conference instead. We said, right, we'll do a conference. So you can all come up for the day. 
I'll get loads of people speaking. All the witnesses will be speaking. We, yeah. You know, we can we can do like do it. no, we can't do that now anymore. So that stopped. So the idea being, well, I'll just do live feed. That way, they can talk to each other in the chat. Uh, the Tuesday ones are just call anything goes. You can talk about any subject you like, and it's like a Zoom meeting. You send yeah. the link out, they click on it, it brings them into the talk. They can ask questions, they can tell their experience, and then someone else will come on. It's just a good way of people sticking together. So if you put Deborah Hatswell on YouTube on, I'll, I'll pop up there. You know, Lovely. I mean, it's kind. <laughs> well, that's all you can do in the circumstances, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. um, because I don't know, there's even talk of the lockdown going into December, so I saw something in the paper. As you, as you know, I was in hospital just last month. Yeah. And the water was on. Yeah, the water was on was actually shut because two of the ladies that had come in were positive for COVID. And I made a friend on the ward who had been texting backwards and forwards and she actually messaged me the other day and she said, they've been advised that they are to continue under the current, whatever it is they're working Tier three. on. Yeah, well, to at least till July of next year. So they've got to make sure that they've got enough temporary staff to get them to July of 2021. I, I keep hearing about July. Yeah, so that's the rumour that's going around at the moment. And the way things are going, I think she's probably going to be correct. Yeah, me too. You know? Well, it's been lovely having you on, Deb. I hope you come on again. Um, I will, of course I will, yeah. Just, just yeah, let me know. Yeah. Th thanks, Debbie. Brilliant. It was great. I was sitting I back agree. listening. Oh, oh great. I like the men of the trees. <laughs> they yeah, 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 I do. My house is absolutely full of... of Images of men coming out of trees, which probably sounds really strange now. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you what was funny, the, the amount of times you've talked about encounters and, and people were saying, and I thought it was a pervert. Yeah. It wasn't a bloody pervert. It was either no. a big foot or a dog man. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, no, when you watch, you hear crunching feet coming. You think it's a local street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. All right, it's been great having you on, Deb. It's all the best, darling. Peace all right, yeah, thanks, Jonah, for holding holding the yeah, show. It's really welcome. good. A great, great guest, and fantastic. And thank you very much, and thank you all for listening. And good night. See you next week. Bye. We'll be right back after this message. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade? All the days from this day to that. Leftovers. Or. Ch -ch 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 Chumba. The DMV. Number 97. Or. Ch -ch 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 Chumba. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.